The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Are you ready for huge opinions on the Lions, Tigers, Wings, Pistons, Michigan, MSU, and every sports team in the state of Michigan it's time for the huge show from the east side to the west side to the UP the huge show is on air statewide on the Michigan Sports Network voice your huge opinions now at 1-866-838-HUGE that's 1-866-838-4843 now Let's go to the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Parts Studio with the huge one, Bill Simonson. What's up, Michigan? It is our number one on a Wednesday statewide broadcast on the only syndicated afternoon sports radio show for the station close to you. Go to thehugeshow.net. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Remember, if you miss any interview, any podcast, any hour, any full show, everything we do is free. Just search The Huge Show wherever you download podcasts. Later in this broadcast, my conversation with one of our soccer insiders, John Conlon, about the state of parents, refs, coaches, and players on Michigan high school fields and in Michigan club sports. That will be coming up on this MHSAA Wednesday, final weekend in high school football before the playoffs begin, so a lot to get to. First, let's talk some hoops. Pistons open up the regular season tonight against Orlando at Little Caesars Arena in downtown Detroit. Keith Langloy, Pistons NBA insider from Pistons.com. He's standing by on the Meyer guest line, and here we are. What a quick off season! <laughs> It was. I was just uh, going over some of the, the key moments of it uh, for something I posted earlier this week. And, yeah, I mean, it, 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 at once it seems like a long time ago when the last season ended, and then it seems like uh, five minutes ago at the same time. So, but What are those key points that you posted at Pistons.com in this offseason where you think the Pistons are a better team tipping off the season tonight than they were when they ended the 2021-2022 campaign? Uh, well, that's, it's interesting the way you phrase a better team. I think they're a, they're better positioned to be a, a a good to very good team in the future. Um, but you know, they did trade away Jeremy Grant. That's where kind of the, that was the first domino to fall in the offseason. And he's the guy that you know that the offense ran through him each of the last two seasons. He's their leading scorer. You know, a, a guy who had by far the most of, the, of their key players, by far the most minutes played in, in his NBA career. So, look, this is a much more athletic team. It's a deeper team, but it is a painfully young team. And, you know, the, 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 the besides the grant trade, it, it, that led right into draft night where they picked up, you know, two guys who bring, you know, an incredible amount of athleticism, which was the one ingredient this team really needed and Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran, but Duran's the youngest guy in the league, 18 years old. And at the time they drafted him, 
you know, they had four other big guys, or they added Nerland's Noel to make it four other big guys. But Kelly Olynyk has since been traded in a, in a, a really a, a trade that they had to make. It was a great, it was a great move, but it did be between the Olynyk trade and the injuries to uh, Marvin Bagley and Nerland's Noel in, in preseason. It now means Jalen Duran at 18 is in is solidly in the rotation. So they, as I started this by saying, they are better positioned to be a, a, a really good team in the future. The recent survey that NBA.com does every year of, of NBA general managers said the Pistons had the, one of the three top young cores in the league. Uh, Ivy got votes to be the best player in his draft class in five years, and Duran tied for first and biggest draft steal. So we see the talent, we see the athleticism, but they are really young, and their primary ball handlers are really young. So there are going to be some growing pains, and, they, and the injuries that they they endured in preseason made it, you know, usually look the, the 20 or so teams that, that expect to be in the playoffs at this time right now, they go into training camp knowing pretty much what their lineup is, pretty much what the rotation that was. The Pistons had question marks about that. And then a rash of injuries in the preseason have made it, you know, like Dwayne Casey just said a few minutes ago when practice wrapped up um, uh, or when uh, yesterday after practice wrapped up, he said that uh uh, you know, look, it's gonna, it might take us 15, 20, 25 games to sort all this out. So uh, that's where we are. Uh, it, they had a really good offseason. As Trey Weaver said, he feels he's got a roster now that gives Dwayne Casey a chance to compete for the first time since he's been here. But it's going to be a process to, to figure out what they have and, and to put all the pieces into place. Keith Langway, Pistons.com, Pistons NBA Insider, joining us on the Meyer Guest Line. Pistons tip off. The regular season tonight at home against the Magic from Orlando. That has a nice little University of Michigan feel and State of Michigan feel to that roster. Uh, what will be the rotation from game one when healthy uh, for the Pistons for Coach Casey? Well, that's a really good question. I mean, the, the, it, it looked, um, you know, Dwayne Casey wasn't wasn't confirming anything, but Marvin Bagley started two of the three preseason games before he went down. I think they were kind of committed to to playing a two, to starting out of the games with a two big lineup. And Isaiah Stewart is looking like he's really taking to um, moving to that power forward spot and you know shooting the three with confidence. So um, right now, I would say that the you know, the probable starting lineup is going to be Stewart. Um, Sadiq Bey, Boyan Bogdanovich, and then the backcourt of Cunningham and Ivy. Off the bench, you know, Duran is, Jalen Duran is now at the center. Um, and so Nerlens Noel went through his first practice uh, yesterday. So whether he's ready to go or not, uh, remains to be seen. I don't know that they throw him right into the rotation to start with. And then you've got an interesting mix of players on the wings with Isaiah Livers, Hamadou Diallo, and Kevin Knox. And Knox only got one preseason game in, looked really good, hit three of six from three. And then in the backcourt, you've got Killian Hayes, you've got Corey Joseph, Hamadou Diallo's in the mix for all of that. So they really they do have to sort it out. They've got they have more depth than they've had. I mean, you know, Rodney Magruder's a veteran who comes in and always is ready to play. They've got really one through fifteen, they've got guys that that could be candidates for the rotation, and that's what Dwayne said when he said it's going to take us 15, 20, 25 games to, to really figure it all out. But um, I think they, you know, they feel they've got more talent, more depth, more athleticism than they've had in a long time. But again, 10 guys, 24 or younger, it's just going to take some time to, to sort itself out and to get everybody on the same page. Yeah, Keith, you mentioned 10 guys, uh, 24 or younger, and you look at the injuries with Noel just getting back to prag- or practice, Marvin Begley, uh, the third, and Alec Burke. So, 
who 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 gets the early minutes off the bench. I think that's where you begin that journey tonight, uh, looking who can step up. And there's an opportunity for you know a lot of those young guys on this roster to earn some minutes, starting with the Magic tonight in downtown Detroit. Yeah, and you you know, good point by you. I didn't I didn't even mention Alec Burks. He's a, he's a really important veteran. Um, and he, I think, I think he's penciled in to be kind of that scoring anchor for that second unit, and he'll help stabilize things for for the younger guys. He'll really help Killian Hayes as the lead ball handler with that group. But they've got a chance to really put a lot of three point shooting on the floor this year with uh, Knox. I think Knox can be a. They're they're really high on Knox. They thought he had one of the best summers. Um, you know, they, this team spent a lot of time together this summer working out either at their practice facility in Detroit or they got together for team activities in L.A. and in Miami. Knox was really good. His he, his shot looked really really good in that one game he played i think livers you know even under under trying circumstances Livers shot 42 percent from three as a rookie he's got a chance to be the best shooter on the team you put you put burks and livers and and knox and um bogdanovich on the floor you've got some some firepower that that this team hasn't had for a while and not only that um you know even if they had enough three-point shooters on the roster in the last few years they couldn't put functional lineups of three-point shooters together because they were all like you know perimeter players they were all guards um this team you know with with knox and livers at six six seven six eight and bogdanovich at six 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 seven they, they can put shooting with size on the floor they can field some really good units but again you know okay, i hate to keep going back to it but they got to figure it out they've got to you know they're going to have lineups on the floor when the opener it's tonight and in this weekend and you know um when they have a back-to-back and uh friday and saturday um they're really gonna have lineups on the floor that haven't played a second together in preseason and 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 even in practice because they've had so many guys uh, down throughout throughout training camp but it's going to be really interesting i think they're going to be i think they're going to be an exciting team that they're going to play a little more up tempo the athleticism is going to pop with ivy and duran and uh you know it should be a really fun interesting season Keith Langlois, Pistons.com, talking about the Pistons opener tonight against Orlando in downtown Detroit. Follow everything Pistons 24-7 at Pistons.com. Keith, enjoy the game. Thanks, Bill. All right, Keith Langlois joining us on the Meyer Guest Sign. And Meyer, proud to be longtime partners with your Detroit Pistons. From St. Joseph to Midland, this show is huge. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle. And punting for bucks is your chance to win premium play. $15,000 cash and a 2023 Polaris Ranger. Drawings are every Saturday in October, 7 to 11 p.m. And on October 29th, one winner drives off in a new Polaris Ranger with a $5,000 Cabela's gift card. Only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway. Reimagine. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan. Available for you. 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive, boys and girls, high school sports, 
mhsaa.tv. That's mhsaa.tv. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to mhsaa.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We'll talk about Michigan's win over Penn State, where they sit in the polls, what lies ahead, including next up Spartans, primetime, night game at the Big House. Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com is standing by on the Meyer guest sign. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. Uh, that game, uh, second half especially. A matter of fact, second halves of all the Big Ten games, Maryland, Iowa, Indiana, Penn State, Michigan looks like a potential, not only Big Ten champion, but a team that can go into Ohio State, win, win the Big Ten title, and this year make a true run at a national championship. Yeah, that's pretty much the takeaway is that this is looking like a great team again. Uh, you didn't really know for sure because of the schedule, um, you know, just because you hadn't had a big game against a top 10 team like Penn State yet. But then you do what you did to Penn State, and really, I mean, it was more lopsided statistically and with the way the game went and then the final score even indicated or the score did uh you know in most parts of the game including being down early in the third quarter after penn state got a field goal on their opening drive of the half so um but i think that was a good test too michigan was trailing in the second half in that game and they ripped off a couple 60 yard runs in a row in a row on consecutive offensive plays after the defense got a three and out in the middle of that so that was a big sequence i thought michigan overall just put together a pretty dominant performance on both sides of the ball. Uh, almost more impressed, as, as hard as that is to say, with 418 rushing yards, but almost more impressed with the defense and what they did, completely shutting down a Penn State run game that had done pretty good coming in, uh, a Penn State passing attack, uh, 36% completion percentage for Sean Clifford. That's his lowest of his career, so all sorts of good stuff to look at if you're Michigan. Now you have a bye to get a little bit more healthy. We know they're pretty banged up at some spots. And then you go into that game against the Michigan State team that is uh, on a one-game win streak. Defense and their ability to run the ball and the fact that they have Corum and Edwards, as long as they stay healthy, those are the things that tell me they can beat Ohio State or anybody left on their schedule, including the Big Ten title game and the college football playoff. Yeah, and it's interesting. It's J.J. McCarthy takes over at quarterback in week two, and everyone talks about the potential of the offense, and rightfully so. But at the end of the day, and Bill, we talked about this last week too, the identity of this offense, it's still going to be to run the football. Uh, when you have those offensive linemen, it would be malpractice not to use them and, and have them try to gash teams on the ground. And when you have those running backs, uh, Blake Corum's a Heisman contender at this point. He has 901 yards through seven games. That's the exact same amount that Derrick Henry had through seven games in, in 2015. I'm not saying he's going to win it, but that's the last running back to win the award. So something to watch there. But uh, you're right. I mean, they're not going to beat Ohio State playing the same style as Ohio State plays, but they showed last year they don't need to, and they're showing this year that they're that same type of team that's blue-collared, physical, um, and going to you know bully you, really. I wrote that this morning, that Michigan is kind of starting to play the role of the Big Ten's bully, where you come into the big house. We saw what happened to Ohio State last year and other teams. We've seen what happened to Penn State on Saturday. 
uh, where then you're reading articles from Penn State sites about how they have an identity crisis and they got to change how they recruit and do all this. It's the same stuff we heard out of Columbus in November. So it's amazing that, uh, you know, Michigan is not only beating teams like this, but beating them in a way where uh, it's just so dominant and, and the physicality that they play with is kind of Jim Harbaugh, what he's been trying to build here for eight years. Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com joining us on the Meyer guest line. And you know what? He's He's been smart, he being Harbaugh. He hasn't put any of this pressure on J.J. McCarthy yet. None of it. Yeah, they've been able to lean on the run and kind of ease him in to things. I mean, he's made some plays. He obviously had a hand in, in every win. And really the passing game was working pretty effectively in this game up until the interception, which was a little bit flukish. I still think it was a, a bad throw because it deflected right off a defender, but then hits off of another guy's helmet, and then it's, it's a pick six. But um, it, it was working pretty well. But then at a certain point, like we talked about that sequence earlier in the third quarter, well, why would you try to do anything else when you have this much success on the ground? So you're right. I mean, he still hasn't had to make, you know, had to go win you the game on his own. And, you know, a lot of people were talking before this game, well, could this be the one where uh, that would be the case? Well, it it wasn't because they were so good on the ground. So you've gotten through seven games and you haven't, you know, gotten him in in many uncomfortable situations, which is good. Um, He's getting better and better. You can tell the decision-making by the week, uh, minus one or two plays in every game. Uh, But they haven't cost him yet at this point. So I think it's been pretty smooth. And... You can tell he's getting more comfortable. Uh, one thing I noticed on Saturday that J.J. also talked about after the game was just how much uh, more comfortable he's getting with when to, to pull down and run. Those were some big uh, scrambles that he had in that game as well. So you're seeing more of that by the week, and I think that adds another element to this offense too. It's just, you know, big game experience. There you go. And you look ahead to Ohio State and – I was re-watching some of their highlights against Notre Dame. That is a 3-3 three and three Notre Dame team that had a chance to win the opener at Ohio State. And the Buckeyes hung on for a 21-10 win. Uh, since then, Ohio State hasn't played anybody. I don't know why they're number two in the country. I don't know why they're in front of Michigan after Michigan beat number 10 Penn State. Not by a last-second field goal, uh, but demolished Penn State in the second half. Buckeyes living on their name, and they haven't been tested at all. Yeah, it's just kind of the way it goes. It didn't surprise me at all that Michigan didn't jump them. Uh, Tennessee jumped in as well, and that's a huge win for them, obviously. They deserve it. Tennessee deserved to jump wherever. You could have made Tennessee the number one team in the country, and I wouldn't have argued that. Yeah, I would have been fine with it. At the same time, the AP poll in a couple of weeks is going to go by the wayside because the college football playoff starts releasing theirs. So it, it's kind of irrelevant at this point. But you're right. When you look at Ohio State, I mean, I don't want to take too much stock in the Notre Dame game just because it was week They're one. They're three and three. Notre Dame has lost to Marshall and Stanford. I know. Okay, at home. I know. I know. I still think there's a lot of talent on that Ohio State team. I still think they have played better, even though they haven't played anybody. Uh, you know, of note really since then. They'll get tested by an Iowa defense uh, this weekend. But, yeah, um, you know, week one is week one. Um, and I, I think they have gotten better. And at the same time, too, I mean, people were saying last week, a week ago, for Michigan, well, they can't play the way they did against Indiana and beat Penn State on Saturday. And we were saying, well, you know, it doesn't work like that. You don't always play the same way, you know, each week. 
Um, you know, maybe Ohio State had a down game. I know they suffered some injuries in that first game, so not taking a ton of stock into it. But you're right. I think Ohio State's not invincible, and as Michigan is proving, uh, it might be better than it was last year. And you know, that's going to give them a shot in every game. I agree. Uh, the line play continues, starting with the second half it, against Maryland at the Big House. Hmm. The defensive line and offensive line has shown me that they'll have a chance uh, to win at Ohio State. We weren't sure. You know, Ohio State, you know, throwing up 77 on Toledo, and they could have put 70 on Michigan State. That That's my next question with you, Clayton. Clayton Safey from the Wolverine.com joining us on the Meyer Guest Line. How, how do you line up that matchup right now? Because nothing's going to change. Uh, there's no games. There's you know, Unless there's a freak injury at practice or – uh, away from the field, Michigan State at Michigan. Well, what's your early breakdown on that? Yeah, um, I haven't gone back and watched their game against Wisconsin yet. Just tell me what uh, you're thinking right now on this show, on the yeah. huge show. We're still it's a week from Saturday. What are you thinking? No, I know. Um, you know, I, I have to look at them more, but at the same time. I think Michigan's going to have a good chance. I think they're going to be a significant favorite. Do you have Michigan State fans in your family because you're you're being evasive, Clayton? You, you don't want to say, I think they're going to kick their ass. I think they're going to win big. Okay. I mean, that, that, would be, that would be my take for sure. I think your mom and dad are Michigan State fans, and you're afraid that you're not going to get the bubble pizza that I've never gotten <laughs> when you come home to Grand Rapids to see them. <laughs> Not at all. That was a, all. that was the most guarded answer I've ever heard from you, and it it smelled of Spartan fans in your family. Well, here's what I was going to say: is I haven't gone back and watched that game to see what they did right to beat a Wisconsin team, but um, because I have heard they did a few of the things that that they were really struggling at a little bit better in this Wisconsin game. But no, I don't think Michigan State is a good team. Uh, I think the environment here is going to be electric again at night at the big house and i think michigan should roll michigan state they're going to put up a fight as michigan state always does but uh, i do think this michigan team is ready they're already talking about it they were talking about it in the tunnel on the way up to the locker room after penn state so it's going to be a lot of excitement and i think michigan has just more talent um and and really is just a much better team uh, are you going to be on the ballot the uh, first week of November? Because that sounds like a very political answer. <laughs> you, you got a girlfriend. Are you dating a girl who's a Michigan State grad or fan? Because there's something there that normally you would just open up and boom, 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 boom. But there, there's some, we'll talk about. They're going to win big. I think they're going to win. You know, I don't know when I say win big, because it's a rivalry game. I think you yeah. get out of there. You take the win, whatever way you can. Okay. Well, now you're sounding political, yeah. Yeah, because I, I am dating a girl who's a Michigan State fan. <laughs> <There> you <go. laughs> you're like, you know what? You tell the guys, I think they're going to roll them. All of a sudden, you go out to dinner. Hey, so what do you think? Does Michigan State have a chance? I, I They do, honey. Please pass the gray poop on. <laughs> That's right. Clayton so. Safe, yeah, I know. You, just, you, you never know what you're going to get when you do a segment with me from TheWolverine.com joining us. I think they can win at Ohio State, and this time around, I don't see the powerhouse. You could see Georgia's defense was special. Alabama was loaded last year. I don't see that team. Tennessee's all offense. They play hardly any defense. I know they got some great speed rushers, but Georgia's not the same team. Alabama's not the same team. Ohio State will find out when they play at the shoe to end the season. I don't see that dominant. I mean, when I'll say this. 
When Ole Miss and TCU are your number seven and eight teams in college football, that's not a deep year. Yeah, it feels more open than it was a year ago. You're right. I mean, Georgia at this time last year, they were number one. I think they were number one for like 10 straight weeks. And everyone was talking about that juggernaut. And then Alabama kind of heated up. They beat them in the SEC championship. So there was really two of those teams. Um, and Ohio State was in that mix as well. And then Michigan kind of came in there and, you know, it wasn't totally surprising what happened in the Orange Bowl. But this year, I mean, you look around the country, there's a lot of flaws in these teams. And I'm not saying Michigan doesn't have any either. I still wouldn't pick them to win the national championship. But there's flaws on that Alabama defense. You're right about Tennessee. They don't play defense. Georgia has faltered. You know, they've had a couple games that are closer than they should have been. Um, And Michigan is right there kind of in that mix. And, you know, people were calling them a fraud or they haven't played anybody coming into Penn State. I still had a lot of questions. I picked a close game. uh, So I look like an idiot in that respect when you look at 41-17 to on the scoreboard. But uh, I think Michigan's pretty legit at this point. They've proved that, especially on Saturday. And you look at the rest of the schedule, Illinois might be the toughest test. I know Michigan State will put up a – a good fight and you know I'm, I'm not ruling out anything in that game but i guess that's your political answer right there but um you know you look at the rest of the schedule it shapes up pretty nicely before you go to columbus and uh that's still going to be really tough i don't care what happened uh against notre dame for ohio state they're going to play well i think and it'll be really tough to win there but she, she must be a nice girl you probably end up wearing a green and white tuxedo <laughs> for your wedding one day uh, Clayton Safey uh, from the Wolverine.com uh, joining us on the Meyer guest line. Superfly just sent me a text while we're talking. Did you did you text Superfly while you're live with me and say, please have Bill stop yelling at me? That is just not true. That's yeah, I didn't yell. See, you're like my kid, Superfly. When I, yelling is if I berate you. Raising my voice is different than yelling. It is. Yelling is like, Superfly! You know, why safety on this show again? And when I raise my voice, it's like, no. I, I tell kids, like, you're yelling. No, I'm not yelling. Um, I talk loud. I do a talk show 15 hours a week, and I'm raising my voice. Yelling is if I berate you. I say, you're a low-life superfly. You and safety date girls from East Lansing, and you're afraid to tell it like it is on the game. <laughs> That's, that's yelling. You want to see me mad? Go, go on a go on an eighteen hole golf binge with Ballas and Skeen and Superfly. You want to see yelling? Yeah, and not just from you. No, you want to see yelling. It's like we're we're like four long lost brothers that were discovered. They're from the same dad, and we're going to get together and play around the golf. It, it's a sitcom. Yeah. That eighteen holes with Ballas and Skeen and Superfly. Flat out is a sitcom. We'll talk next week, Clayton, and we'll we'll get your prediction on the game, okay? Sounds great. (laughs) Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Do you think, Clayton, like when he gets off the phone here, and I know his family listens on 96.1 The Game, our flagship station in Ada, even though his mom's never brought me the bubble pizza. Do you think he, like, he hangs up and he goes, why am I on that show? Just a voice in his head. I love him. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net.
Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn $50 bonuses when you sign up through the BetMGM Refer a Friend program. Hey, this is Matt Shepard. Just sign in in your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credits expire in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. Excludes Michigan disassociation persons. Huge here for the Grand Rapids Gold. They're the Denver Nuggets G League team coached by former NBA All-Star Andre Miller. And they'll be playing their home games in downtown Grand Rapids at Van Andel Arena. And the Gold's home opener in GR will be Thursday night, November 10th. If you need tickets, quick link, follow the Grand Rapids Gold on Twitter, Facebook, or just Google Grand Rapids Gold. Their home opener is on Thursday night, November 10th at Van Andel Arena in downtown GR. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We'll talk about Michigan football. Anthony Broom from the Wolverine.com is standing by in the Meyer guest line. Hey, Anthony, and I'm not being biased. If you line up schedules... And who they've beaten, Michigan should be in front of Ohio, and they beat Ohio State last year with pretty even better talent than they have now. Michigan should be in front of Ohio State in the polls. If you're someone who watches games, I think it's pretty hard to argue against that. Yeah, I know that we, you know, we fall in love with with offensive production and potential and name brands, and you know, not to say that Tennessee didn't earn, you know, where they're you know they're ranked a spot above Michigan at number three, but. Um, I want to see you play a little bit of defense too. Uh, you know what I saw from Michigan on Saturday, and people can call me biased. That's fine. I mean, it's pretty obvious the site uh, I work for and, and the fan base we serve. But this team is, I think, from top to bottom, better than last year's team. I think that their offensive line is better than last year's team. I think they have, um, you know, star power at quarterback. I think they've got two really uh, good to great backs. Blake Corum's a Heisman candidate. Um, and I had a hunch that when this team finally faced a moment where it needed, you know, a statement game could be on the table, I, I was pretty confident that they would show that. So, you know, uh, again, I'm not to say I thought that Penn State was a pretender or anything like that, but I felt that going into last week's game, Michigan had another gear to it. Uh, it had a, you know, an Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State esque gear to it, and we saw that on Saturday. I mean, if this team continues to stay locked in, I mean, all of their goals that are in front of them—they set four goals for this year: beat Michigan State, beat Ohio State, win a Big Ten championship, win a national championship. Uh, it's all in front of them. They are capable of doing all of those things. Offensive line, defensive lines. After I, I was at a golf outing, I was following the game on my phone, but I DVR'd it, watched it Saturday night, went through it. And the way their O-line and D-line are playing right now, 
not easily, but they can win at Ohio State. Yeah, I think that there oftentimes Michigan fans, or even just like regular neutral observers of college football, say, well, yeah, but is it going to work against Ohio State? Can you do this against Ohio State? When you can control the line of scrimmage, especially on the offensive side of the ball, obviously on the defensive side of the ball as well, when you can control what happens in that matchup, you get to dictate how a game gets played. You get to set a tone and how a game gets played. So, you know, we sit here and say, oh, is this – I think it was Dan Wetzel of Yahoo Sports who wrote a column about, oh, well, is this – is the old bully ball, hardball way sustainable? Yeah, yeah, it's sustainable because if you blow someone off the line of scrimmage like they have been, like I said, you get to set the terms of what a game looks like. So – yeah, absolutely. They, they, um, I, you know, I know that the narrative was that Michigan hadn't played anyone, but Michigan has has pretty much blown the the barn doors off of every team it's played so far. Um, I don't and and has been tested in some moments too. I haven't seen that from you know, again. I, I think that Ohio State has an edge to it this year that they didn't have last year, but you know, I need to see them do it against a quality opponent too. So. Yeah, there's all this talk about, oh, well, it, well, Saturday proved that Michigan is the, the biggest challenger to Ohio State in the Big Ten. Why, why is Michigan a challenger to Ohio State? They're the defending Big Ten champion. They've won all of their games. They've looked really good doing it. I don't care what the name brand is. I don't care what the Vegas odds say. Um, Michigan is last year's Big Ten champion, and they look like a Big Ten champion until they're not this year. That's where we're at right now. So, yeah, they absolutely can do this again. Well, even with the impressive victory, and, and I, the, my one little maize and blue flag is I don't like their slow starts uh, so far in Big Ten play, but it's how you finish. You don't win anything uh, at the end of the first quarter or at halftime. What, what's an area you think they, Michigan needs to get better on or better in uh, either way uh, to run the table and win their remaining games and get back to the Big Ten championship? I think you hit on a part of it there, Bill. I think they do need to start a little bit faster. A part of that, too, is, uh, well, really, up. I mean, I think it was five games in a row or four games in a row coming into this weekend where they had scored an opening drive touchdown. Uh, too many field goals on Saturday. You know, you'd love, you'd love to have a guy like Jake Moody. I mean, he can, you know, he can probably hit one from 50 just as easily as he does from 25, 26. But you don't want to kick 25-yard field goals, 23-yard field goals, 27-yard field goals. That's that was the one area on Saturday where you don't kick field goals. There's never an opportunity for Penn State to lead that football game by two plays and, and things of that nature. So, yeah, that, that's certainly it. I, I think part of that is red zone play calling. I think that they're still kind of figuring things out there. Now, if you want to score all your touchdowns from 60 yards out, I, I, certainly that sort of uh, sort of helps in that regard, but. Yeah, there are still the, the thing about Michigan is that they they looked so dominant in a top ten matchup on Saturday, and they still haven't played a full sixty minute football, which is hard for any team to do. I mean, a lot of people are you know will hold them to oh well you know one play here, one play there. That's football. Uh, you got to play through it. You got to play a whole game. But you know, there's still a quarter, quarter and a half in a lot of these games where the lights just not on yet. So if they're able to kind of turn to go to that next gear now, I mean, there's, there's already no reason they shouldn't run the table heading into Ohio state, but if they're able to find another gear, then 
I think it becomes about beating Ohio State and then and then some, and then what comes after that. His name is Anthony Broom. He joins us from the Wolverine.com talking about Michigan football. Yeah, I just, I you know, the rivalry game a week from Saturday, I think if your state coming off a win, he would rather have played this Saturday than wait another week. Uh, this matchup, let's go based on good Michigan State defense last week. What's your early take on the Spartans at the Wolverines? Yeah, a little bit of life in East Lansing now. I mean, to go into, I actually think it's sort of beneficial for them to have a bye week after a win now because all of a sudden it's like hitting a reset button. And now you get a week to rest up, things settle down. It's been a really hectic first half of the season for them. Um, And you have life now. And you're, you know, Michigan State's not going to hit the goals that it set out for this season. I mean, one of them, uh, is obviously to beat Michigan, but you know they're not going to win a Big Ten championship. They're still fighting for bowl eligibility, so you know there's there's a lot. They're always going to pour their heart and soul into this game. Um, you know mi- the the Michigan rivalry is something that has has continually breathed life into some pretty. I mean, objectively speaking, some pretty incredible upsets and and games where you know they kind of find Michigan sleeping, so to speak. So. You know, for for Michigan State, I think it's you know when I look at what they do well offensively, it's what won them the game last year. The Peyton, the Peyton Thorn to you know those 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 wide receivers, those guys were able to make plays. Um, you know, Michigan's pass rush is going to have to have a big day. Yeah, I, I don't know what a, I haven't seen really any spreads on it yet. I would probably say that this is probably a seventeen to twenty point spread in the favor of the Wolverines, but. You know, again, I know it's a cliche, but when those two teams play, weird stuff happens. And now we're playing at night on Halloween weekend uh, when things have been pretty weird uh, in that situation in the past. So we'll see what happens. I-, I think Michigan State will be ready to play, but I also think Michigan will. Uh, this is a game they've had scheduled last year with a storybook year in a lot of ways, but that game at Michigan State just, just I mean, it was the one blemish on a season that was kind of one for the ages for them. So they were lucky that that actually didn't wind up derailing some of the things that they were able to do later in the year. But we'll see what happens. I think that, uh, you know, they can't go, they can't fall to 0 3 against Mel Tucker. I don't think they will. Um, I think this team is focused. I like the way they handle their business, but uh, big bye week uh, coming off two big wins for both teams now. I'm glad Michigan State won from a show perspective because it gives a little juice to the game. If they would have got beat up by Wisconsin, there'd be no energy. And now you get State still playing for their bowl lives. They would love to ruin Michigan's season. Uh, A week from Saturday night at the Big House, uh, the night game has the intrigue back. You can follow everything leading up to that game and all Michigan sports 24-7 at thewolverine.com. And, Anthony, I really like your statement you said at the beginning, and it's the first time. It's the first time that I've seen Michigan uh, that I feel like they're in that Ohio State, Alabama, Georgia category. Not that they're there yet with a complete roster of NFL-like talent, but the fact that they can come right at you, you know what's coming. Usually Alabama wins those games. They did on Saturday against Tennessee, whose offense is just Josh Heupel is a genius. And I ask what he did for Scott Frost at UCF and what he's doing right now at Tennessee. But I do agree. And I look at this year. Georgia is not the same Georgia as last year with an NFL defense that produced, what, seven draft picks. 
Ohio State, they haven't played anybody yet, so we don't know. Tennessee, legit, what, four top 25 wins. I'm not going to question them. And so they'll have to figure out how they get by Georgia to win the SEC East. You get Michigan, you get Clemson, you know, Alabama, we watch them get beat. Ole Miss, number seven in the country with no defense. This is the year. This is the year that I think Michigan can make a true run at getting another national championship if they play the way they did outside of a couple of plays against Penn State. Yeah, the key to that is just to continue to find the consistency, but I'm with you. I mean, this this is as, I mean, it's the same five or six teams every year, but when you talk about you're, you're in that group now, this is as wide open as it's ever been. I mean, I think Alabama has Bryce Young, and they're always going to be they're always going to be a tough out because Nick Saban has a, just a way of working his black magic, but they're more undisciplined than I've seen them be probably ever under Saban. I don't really like what they uh, their offensive line or what they're doing in the trenches on either side of the ball. Georgia isn't historically good like they were last year. Ohio State still has questions. I mean, yeah, it's last year maybe maybe Michigan was punching a little bit above its weight class. We saw what happened when they played Georgia, but. Um, I don't. I just. It is. It is wide open this year, and that's what's. There are stakes. There. There are stakes to every game now. Um, that it's just. It's. It's wide open. So again, I'll stop short of calling it. If this. If it's going to happen, this will be the year. But, I mean, if not now, in these circumstances, uh, I know they have. They have a nice little window here, but they. They are going to stay in the mix as long as they keep can can uh, continue to take care of business. So. It's exciting. It's exciting to have that. This is a level of excitement and a level of football that is sort of reserved for south of the state line and and most of the time only in, like, SEC country. So, yeah, I would just say Michigan fans embrace it. Don't run away from it. And just track it week to week and see what happens. You know, one thing I will notice when, like, Georgia almost lost to Missouri or Alabama struggles at home against Texas A&M, and I've never seen an Alabama defense get trucked like that, I wonder if the NIL era will take away the true commitment to discipline and team play. I I really wonder as we move forward, when players are getting paid, is there that will to win? Is there that will to play for a teammate before yourself? Sacrifice uh, stats for a victory. I This name, image, and likeness with these big boy programs, it will be interesting to see. Uh, you know, look at Texas A&M had thirty million dollar NIL pool reportedly. Uh, you know, they're wondering if Jimbo Fisher can hold on to his job. It, you know, look at Wisconsin firing Chris. I there is a a professional feel to this where we watch pro teams who don't show up because these guys are getting paid and they don't care about winning. Used to be in college, winning was everything. So we'll see what happens moving forward with the big boy schools like Saban and Alabama when. You know, guys are getting seven figures to play quarterback for you. Absolutely, and that's—I think—that's the biggest thing that Michigan has going in their favor right now is that they are so they are so locked in and they are so together. And that sounds like cliches, but I think that the further and further we move into this sort of me, 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 get mine dynamic in college sports, um, the more you kind of appreciate how how it's been built. Uh, in Ann Arbor, and I know, like they, there are some things they need to figure out in their own NIL program and, and on the recruiting trail. But um, it just—it feels like it should have never taken eight years to kind of get to this point. 
but it does truly feel like that they're they're exactly where they need to be right now and the culture is as good as, as it's ever been i think the talent is as good as it's ever been the coaching the player development um they're checking off pretty much every single box right now gotta gotta bring in some better players over these next couple classes but they're they're doing jim harbaugh's doing a terrific job uh there's no question about that type of guy you're going to recruit i don't know if it comes down to five stars anymore it comes down to a star system based on guys who want to be team players and get something in return that will be an interesting balance we'll see how it plays out for those schools like alabama moving forward you can follow everything University of Michigan Athletics, including the walk-up to Michigan State at Michigan at thewolverine.com. Anthony Broom, Clayton Safey, Doug Skeen, John Borton, Chris Ballas. They do a great job. Anthony, wonderful conversation, my friend. Of course. Thank you for having me. As right. yeah, Anthony Broom and Clayton Safey joining Borton and Ballas. It's like the Rolling Stones adding a couple of new, younger, hip musicians. Because when I think rock stars, I think Ballas and Boyden. Big. Bad. Huge. The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It's our number two on a Wednesday broadcast presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Uh, inside this hour, John Conlon, who is a local high school soccer coach and one of the best the state of Michigan has ever seen. I like to bring him in and we have conversations connected to being a sports dad, to him being a coach, where things are at now and also what they were like 10 years ago, looking ahead to the future. We'll also comment on the World Cup, which is coming up. Uh, before you know it, I know we're in the middle of football season, but that uh, USA-England match on the weekend of Ohio State-Michigan will be interesting. Uh, we will talk some soccer, but the focus will be on parents, coaches, and players at the high school level uh, across Michigan, and it's the perfect fit on a Wednesday Broadcast presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. As always, if you have comments on what we discuss, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and opt in on that huge text chain. Text the word HUGE out of 21,000. And let's welcome back John Conlon, who's always a busy man coaching soccer somewhere. Uh, with his kids or other people's children. How you doing, my man? Hey, it's great to be back in here. Yeah, it seems like soccer is uh, 24-7, 365 for me, always. So how long have you been coaching, John? Uh, well, officially I started when I was 18 at Hope College. Uh, I started in the soccer camps there and realized that it was pretty natural to me. And um, my dad actually uh, was a really good athlete. And when I was growing up, he took me to all the Western Michigan football basketball soccer games and he was always like pointing out what coaches were doing and what players were doing and so it was a really pretty natural progression for me i think he realized that i loved sports and just loved that uh 
the the intellectual part of sports where you have to figure out situations and how to motivate people. So where's coaching today uh, from when you started? And it's a different animal on so many levels uh, when it comes to sports and kids and club and high school and youth soccer and youth sports across the board. So for you when you started to where it is today, uh, where have things gotten better and where have things gotten worse? Well, it's big business. Uh, Even in 2000, and I can speak to club soccer, that's right when I started with club soccer, uh, West Michigan only had really like four clubs. Um, kids were only paying, you know, like two hundred dollars a season to to play, and now kids are playing, paying upwards of you know thirty five hundred dollars and traveling all over the country, and parents are spending upwards of you know ten thousand dollars with the travel. So it is big business. There's a lot better coaching, I would say, in terms of teaching technique and tactics. At least in soccer, we have you know, a generation of ex-players that are around here and all over the country that are, you know, teaching kids the game. Whereas when I was growing up, we had our dads who were, you know, basketball, football, baseball guys teaching the game. So it's very, very different. Um, I think parents are way more involved than they used to be. And uh, I'm not sold that's a great thing. I think parents are paying a lot more money, so I, I think they feel like they need a return on their investment. And you're talking club. Uh, club high school, too, because it, it does definitely, um, you know, it seeps over into high school because, you know, kids pay a lot of money for clubs, so they expect when they go to their high school program, they're going to be the star of their high school program. And parents sometimes have unrealistic expectations. And I think the fact that more money's in the game and, uh, the, you know, social media is blowing up, that, you know, kids are starting to have their own NIL deals at young ages. I mean, I you know, you just saw Bryce Young uh, on commercials this weekend, which kind of floored me. He's on all these, you know, Dr. Pepper commercials, and here he is still playing college football. You know, he's 19 years old. Uh, it's just different. It's it. When I started in 2000, uh, I, I'll be honest with you, my program at East Kentwood, we probably had six club soccer players. And now at East Kentwood, I would say there's probably 50 in the program. And it just shows you the opportunities are better, but the expectations are higher with parents and sometimes unrealistically higher. Um, So it's a different, it's a more toxic environment, I think, now. How to get toxic? Is it just that parents who have watched their kids play a sport, and we're talking soccer with you being a soccer coach, that if they paid from the time the boy or girl was five until they're ready to go to high school, they feel that they've watched their kid play almost every minute of every game, and they think in high school as a freshman that kid, boy or girl, should be playing just as much as they did in club because they played high-level club soccer. It's a deep conversation. Um, You know, I I, I say this actually to my teams and my parents all the time. They talk about – you hear people talk about how sports um, helps develop – character right and i look at it actually differently i think sports reveals character it reveals character in the players it reveals character in the parents reveals character in the coaches and by no means am i a a perfect coach or a perfect human being i've made tons of mistakes as a parent as a coach as a player but i think ultimately what you're seeing now is it's become a me generation uh where parents would rather their kids score six goals and lose than win a championship and be a great teammate. And that's that's a generalization, but I see it nonstop. I mean, I, 
I literally will go to soccer tournaments on the weekend and just sit and observe and watch parents get thrown out of games, watch parents criticize the coach, watch parents criticize other kids, which is absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then I'll watch kids on the field act. Um, you know, they'll, they'll do something which is a pretty normal play and they'll celebrate like they, you know, just did something amazing. And I, I just think there's a bad precedent that's been set um, and it's only getting worse because there's so much money in the game. And I think it's it's dangerous. Um, you know, if parents really were to look at like who the best athletes in the world are, they're for the most part exactly the opposite of what they're teaching their own kids. You know, Tom Brady's a great example. You know, here's Tom Brady who comes in and he's sixth on the depth chart at, at Michigan and sits the bench for two years. Uh, he then finally gets a chance to start, and you know, um, Henson comes in and who's the you know the everybody's favorite you know high school quarterback coming out of Brighton, and so Tom's got a battle against him. And never once during that time period did I hear anything about Tom's parents calling. Uh, you know, calling up to Michigan. Never did I hear Tom complaining about Henson starting over him in games. In fact, I would say that it actually made Tom great because of it, because he had to battle, he had to grind, he had to outfight this great talent that came in. Um, you know, and then Tom moves on, has a decent senior year, and then gets drafted in the sixth round, right? Uh, so Tom Brady should be what parents are studying. And he takes Drew Bledsoe's job. Yeah, it, who's arguably the best quarterback or one of the best quarterbacks in the league at that time. And if you've ever watched, I think, the 30 for 30 or something on Bledsoe, that he talked about the work ethic of Brady. Right. And so, with, and even when you listen to Tom talk nowadays, like, rarely is he ever talking about himself. He's talking about his teammates. He's talking about doing things the right way. His family. His family. Like, things that are really important. I mean, unfortunately parents focus on the players who are um you know the ones who are showing out the ones who are getting the big you know nike deals and those are short-lived i mean tom brady is what 44 years 43 years old still playing in the nfl arguably the best quarterback of all time and all he's done is stayed the course it's been the 20 mile march for him right like he's every year gotten a little bit better he's not uh not blowing smoke to everybody and how great he is he just goes out and, and does his job and um, I would love to see that mentality come back to youth sports because I think uh, we're actually deterring a lot of kids from playing because of how we you know, build players up at young ages. John Conlon's joining us in the studio on this Michigan High School Athletic Association Wednesday talking about where sports are at today for kids, the parents, and even the coaches and what they have to deal with in the refs and the officials, and we'll go through it all. If you have a comment as a parent, as a coach, as a ref, as a school administrator, or a student, you can drop it at Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and also text it to us. Opt in on that huge text chain, text the word HUGE out of 21,000. So where to go wrong? Was it just that paying for a spot on a club team brought entitlement? Definitely. Uh, and I'm talking, and, and club teams can, this can be youth baseball, can be travel basketball, boys and girls. It can be, you know, travel soccer. That because a parent pays money, they think there's an entitlement that their kid should play more than the other kid. There are so many issues now in club sports because there's so much money. Uh, you what know, are the issues? You know, one of the issues is 
just the ridiculous amount of fees that people are paying. And I, I think people should be able to make money off of sports. I, I But sometimes it's just unrealistic. And so what you're doing then is you have the haves and have nots. You have the you have the people that can pay the big price tag and you have those that can't. And then those parents that are paying the big price tag hold the administrators of you know AAU clubs and soccer clubs uh, with their feet to the fire by saying, listen, if you don't play my kid, I'm moving them to another club. And we're talking about nine, ten-year-old kids that they're threatening with. And um, You've I, seen this. Oh, my goodness. I've seen parents literally pick the team in a soccer club because their kid's probably the best player at nine years old, right? So that club wants to keep that kid – and keep that parent happy, and that parent goes in and gets you know in the coach's face and says, "If you don't pick these kids, we're going to another." That happens all the time. Uh, it, it's it's ridiculous, and uh, unfortunately, what those parents don't realize is karma's real. And when you do those things at a young age, it'll come back every single time. the The best athletes I've worked with, their parents were humble. Their parents didn't get overly involved. Their parents let their kids fail. Their parents put them in situations where they weren't the best. Their parents didn't micromanage. I mean, uh, the term I've used on your show before is the snowplow parent. There are snowplow parents all over the place. They're trying to push everything out of the way so their kid can be successful. Well, I'll tell you right now, like I talk to college coaches all the time, and if they think that that parent's overly involved, they literally go and recruit somebody else. They don't want to deal with that parent, even at the college level. Uh, and, you know, what are you teaching your kid, right? Like, you're going to, are you going to go argue when they don't get the job that they want when they're 25 years old? You can go argue with the CEO of that company. Are you, are you going to bail them out every time they get a speeding ticket? Like, what, what are you going to do as a parent? Like, you, ultimately, we're trying to create young adults that will be successful and they have to fail. Uh, and, what I hate, and this really bothers me, and I'm and I'm part of the club soccer world. I, I'm sick of watching clubs put up with it. Honestly, I would tell parents, "Go, we don't need you. We we don't want you." I don't but there's care how, money, involved. but there's money. But the, I don't care how good your kid is. You know, great quick, great story. Christian Polisic, his dad came and spoke to the state of Michigan. It was about four years ago. And whenever I have the opportunity to meet people like that, I'm just going to ask questions because I want to hear. So his dad went over to Europe, went over to uh, play in the uh, to coach in the Bundesliga so that Christian could go over there and play. Right. This is our best American player. And I asked him, I said, what happens in Germany if parents become overly involved and start giving the club a hard time? He started laughing. He said, it doesn't happen. They just tell you, take your son somewhere else. We don't need you. And so the tail does not wag the dog. Uh, so they literally have clauses that if your parents act out on the sideline in these, um, you know, these academy games in, in Germany, that you'll be kicked out with your parents and they don't care. They'll get rid of you. We'll bring somebody else in. Uh, unfortunately, the capitalist idea of, of, of youth sports is looking at it the wrong way. Like they think that because the parents are you know, paying the money, they should do whatever those parents want. But that's not making a better product. It's not making a better environment. And it's creating a toxic atmosphere that we, I'm telling you, we're at the tipping point where you're going to see, start to see more and more referees quit, coaches quit. You're going to see fights on the sideline. If you, I, I, I went to an AAU basketball game last year and I saw a huge fight in the crowd. These were 10 year old kids playing and parents fighting in the crowd. Yeah, embarrassing. You know, honestly, I want to take a video of it and send it to their employers and say, this is the person who's working for you, acting like an absolute clown in the crowd at their 10-year-old basketball game. 
By the way, that basketball game, they charged every single person $15 to get in for a youth basketball game. $15. I figured out that the guys who ran that tournament probably brought home about $250,000 that weekend. It's crazy. It's a money grab, which uh, a lot of people talk about. And again, as a sports dad, I've been on both sides. And what's interesting, John, you live on both sides. Yeah, I do. Okay. You coach high school and the innocence of not club free, but you're playing for something. Yep. Your school colors, your team, your coach, your teammates. You also have kids who play high level club soccer and you coach club soccer. So the question is, how, how, how does the toxic atmosphere for kids become better uh, in all travel sports? It, it starts with the parents. Like, everything starts at home, right? We, we, we can say that, but the reality is that's not going to happen because every parent wants their kid to be the best. So what, what are some solutions, you think, that would change youth sports, which in turn, as they grow older, would help the high school level? Uh, I think if you have a club, and it could be basketball, it could be football, it could be soccer, which has enough money to not care what the parents think, that's where you're going to have a good situation. So what I'm talking about is having investors that start a club, you know, whether it's DeVos, Van Andel, whatever it might be, that start a club, and they basically say to the parents, listen, you can be a part of the best club in the country, but if you act out, you're gone, and we don't care. That's the only thing that can be done because right now the tail is wagging the dog. The parents are paying money, a lot of money, and they're demanding their kid get playing time even when their kid doesn't deserve it. They're demanding their kid be on the first team. They're demanding that uh, certain kids not be on the team because they're not good enough. I mean, things that are absolutely insane to me that I see and and, and comical. Um, You know, one thing... There's a great video on YouTube done by uh, Don Lucia, who coached at University of Minnesota. He was a hockey coach, legendary hockey coach. And he says in this video, he's talking to parents. He says, listen, genetics plays a part of this. If you're short, you're probably not playing in the NBA. You know, if if you're 300 pounds, yeah, you're probably not going to be a world-class soccer player. Your kids are probably not going to be world-class soccer players. There's a genetic piece. So it doesn't matter how much money you're paying. There are some other factors that you can't control. Uh, and I don't know. I just, I'm just i very passionate about this because I think it's ruining kids. It's ruining the environment. Um, I do think some things have gotten better. I think there is better coaching. I think like technique and tactics have gotten better. Um, I think certain environments have gotten better, but I see us, you know, you know Malcolm Gladwell and uh, Tipping Point. I see us getting to a tipping point where good coaches are leaving the games. And Tipping Point is a phrase being used on where we're at at the crossroads of youth sports. Right. We're at a point now where what we're starting to do is becoming counterproductive. It's becoming less effective. Uh, it's becoming a situation where people are making money, which is fine, but not necessarily making better athletes. Um, I, you know, it's it, it's hard to really say it's measurable. I just see it, and it, it's it's not hard to see. If 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 you don't believe me, please go to an AAU tournament this winter. Go to an indoor soccer tournament this winter. Go to a situation where it's a competitive environment and watch. The parents watch the lunacy. It's absolutely crazy. Or just go on YouTube. You can see tons of videos of people losing their mind for no reason. 
John Conlon, uh, he is a highly respected soccer coach uh, from East Kentwood with the boys to Byron Center with the girls on the club level. Uh, hockey's in his blood mm-hmm. as a fan, but also soccer, a sport that uh, he loves. Grew up in the Kalamazoo area, joining us uh, here on the Huled Show across Michigan. Again, if you have comments as a parent, as a coach, as administrator, as a player, uh, add Huled Show on Twitter, The Huled Show on Facebook, opt in on the Huled's text chain, text the word Huled to 21,000. I want to talk about that tipping point and how it's being counterproductive. Because you would think with all the money invested in the youth sports that America would be dominating every sport. Sure. Uh, every sport uh, across the landscape. So I want to talk about that. Uh, we'll get to more with John Conlon coming up. Wednesdays are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Follow everything Michigan High School Sports. Uh, MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, MHSAA on Facebook, and watch live and on-demand high school sports. Boys and girls, you're around at MHSAA.tv. From Detroit to Petoskey, this show is huge. Get more for your money at Meyer. Get in the spirit with 20% off Halloween outdoor decor and Halloween costumes for the family from $9.99 to $44.99. And even if you dream of candy, don't forget pantry staples. Buy five, save $5 on Swanson broth or stock and craft shredded or chunk cheese. Plus, get the same low Meyer prices no matter how you shop, in-store or online. Get more for your money and get more in one place. Meyer. Exclusions apply. See all the deals in the Meyer app. Van Andel Institute Purple Community is a grassroots fundraising network powered by the dedicated volunteers who support VAI's mission to improve human health now and in the future. When you raise funds through the Van Andel Institute Purple Community, 100% of the proceeds go directly to the Institute's research into diseases like cancer and Parkinson's, as well as VAI's science education programs. Learn how you can get involved at purplecommunity.org. Rock and country music's hardest hitters join forces. Five Finger Death Punch. Brantley Gilbert. With special guest Corey Marks. November 9th, Van Andel Arena. I'm a son of the dirty south. On sale now with Ticketmaster.com. Five Finger Death Punch's new album, Afterlife, out now. Five Finger Death Punch and Brantley Gilbert, live. Huge here for the Grand Rapids Gold. They're the Denver Nuggets G League team coached by former NBA All-Star Andre Miller. And they'll be playing their home games in downtown Grand Rapids at Van Andel Arena. And the Gold's home opener in GR will be Thursday night, November 10th. If you need tickets, quick link, follow the Grand Rapids Gold on Twitter, Facebook, or just Google Grand Rapids Gold. Their home opener is on Thursday night, November 10th at Van Andel Arena in downtown GR. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Huge here for my good friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA 
So the NBA regular season is upon us, and DraftKings has a huge offer for new customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code HUGE when they sign up. Those new customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Simple and easy. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code HUGE when you sign up. And then make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So use code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus based as free bets. One boost per eligible game for the stepped up same game parlay boost that everybody can take part of. Opt in required. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back on the huge show across Michigan. We always originate from the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Parts Store Studio in downtown Grand Rapids at our flagship station, 96.1 The Game in GR. Superfly Hayes is our executive producer. Conversation on this Michigan High School Athletic Association Wednesday with one of the top high school soccer coaches in Michigan history, John Conlon, talking about the toxic environment of players, parents, Referees, officials leaving, the tipping point, and I like that word uh, because you wonder what the future will hold. You know, MHSAA, I see on their website, on their tweets, they're still looking for officials. And I get the pandemic had everybody looking uh, for people to fill jobs, but uh, there seems to be a, a big push for more officials. Is that that some have just gotten older? Uh, is that that it's not worth the money with the grief they're taking from uh, parents, players, and coaches? How would you assess the current officiating slash referee situation in the state of Michigan when it comes to club and high school sports? Well, that's a great question. Uh, first of all, club sports are paying better, so a lot of the for officials, yes. So a lot of the at least at the higher levels, uh, so the, a lot of the officials that would be refereeing high school could get paid twice as much doing an AAU tournament or doing a, a club soccer tournament. So it's a, it's a no-brainer for them. Uh, I, I know that the soccer referee numbers are down really bad right now to the point where freshman games are not having referees. And some of it is that, you know, they're not getting paid enough. A lot of it is just parents, though. And, um, you know, I think, un- unfortunately, in the 80s and 70s, uh, the Bob Knights of the world who rode referees the whole game, like that was kind of, you know, Mike Dick, uh, those are the coaches that we saw, right? And so even me as a young coach, like I thought, well, hey, if I'm not riding the referee, I'm not doing my job. Um, and I've realized over the years, and trust me, there are times where I'll question a referee just like anyone else, but they're human beings, right? And and 
very rarely do you see a referee go into a game with you know some other uh, agenda. They're there to do their best job. Yeah, they're going to make mistakes and they're going to blow calls, and sometimes those calls you know ruin games, unfortunately. But for the most part, the referees that I've been around are good human beings that are doing the best they can. Uh, but you know when they're getting paid seventy five dollars to referee a game and they have parents riding them the whole game and and players on the field talking back and coaches riding them, yeah, you know, I wouldn't want to do that for seventy five dollars. It's not worth it. Uh, and honestly, I, player behavior is worse. I, I will tell you this right now: like I, in my program, you can ask any player that's ever played for me. They they are not allowed to talk to referees and. You know, we'll have a captain that maybe is our designated captain that can go, you know, question something. But if I think they're out of line, I'm yanking them off the field. I don't care who it is. I, I don't care. Uh, number one, it's counterproductive for what we're trying to do. Second, second of all, you know, I I don't want a 16 year old, 17 year old kid being the person who's trying to negotiate a situation with an adult referee. Like that just doesn't make any sense. Uh, so it's just the atmosphere is way different. You know, I started coaching high school in 2000. Um, I didn't feel the entitlement as much then as I feel nowadays. Or You're talking entitlement from the players. Players, correct. Um, now, my program, I've been lucky. Like, honestly, like East Kentwood and Byron Center, I have amazing kids. But I've seen and I and I have plenty of friends in the coaching world who have left coaching because of entitlement, because of parent entitlement, because of kid entitlement. And these are great coaches, and they just said, not worth it. You know, not worth it for the pay, uh, not worth it um, to be away from my family and deal with people always questioning everything I do. And I I, I just, it's really sad, honestly. And you get at uh, the high school level and even club level at times when a group of parents who have the best kids on a team go to an AD at a high school or go to the club director at their local travel, soccer, basketball, baseball club, whatever it is, they can bring change on because they're supplying the money that yeah. fuels that club. You know what, Bill? I'm at an age now where I, I don't care if I offend people, honestly, when I'm talking on here. Shame on the ADs that get rid of coaches after one complaint. And I see that. all. The, shame on that AD, right? Like you're paying these coaches, whether it's football, basketball, tennis, you're paying them $5,000 to coach a season. They're making like literally a dollar an hour. And because one parent complains about playing time or a coach uh, being too hard on the kids, they get, it's rare that you see a coach fired after years of, of this. It's like I see coaches who have been at a program for 15 years and they have one or two parents who complain one season, they get let go. And to me, I look at that AD and I want to say, well, I, I hope that you don't get fired when you make a mistake, you know, your first mistake. <laughs> like, it's just ridiculous. And it's, um, I don't know why, like the best athletic directors I've been around, Blaine Brummels, you know, some of the um, athletic directors I've worked for, like they understand that there's a give and take when it comes to this and you know, you really have to monitor what your coaches are doing, monitor what your parents are doing, and make educated decisions on whether or not it's time to move on or stay with with who you're with. Um, I've been pretty lucky with Brady Lake and and with Blaine to have you know ads that when I made stupid decisions, they talked me through it, they walked me through it, and then they stood by me. Um, and I, <laughs> we're going to get to a point where honestly, I don't know why anyone would coach high school sports. 
I I think you're getting closer and closer to that because they'll get more money in club sports and they'll be protected. Um, you know, they're going to deal with the same issues in club sports, but they're getting more money. So it's not it's not, you know, as big a deal to coaches. Um, it's sad. Later, I want to talk. Uh, there's a lot of different uh, roads I want to travel down because you get that competition between club and high school. Mm-hmm. Okay. And you get parents saying, my kids, they don't need to play high school. They're playing club because they're getting more playing time. Yeah. Or, or, Arrogance. <laughs> or, or they think their kid is uh, destined to get a D1 scholarship, which I, I really talk to parents and I say, okay, what's your goal for your kid playing club in high school? While in high school, yep. the high school age, freshman, sophomore, junior, senior, what's the reason why? Yep. Well, my, my, I, I believe my son or daughter can play college soccer and get a scholarship. And I said, well, do you go to your club and ask them to provide how many scholarships are awarded per year per the number of kids in your son's or daughter's age group? And the numbers are staggering low. I don't have all the numbers for all the clubs, but... What I've watched, because I've done the full circle, five until 13 for club sports. And I will tell you, I find the high school experience so much more enjoyable. Oh, it's, it's a, as a parent. It's amazing. But there is there is the there are parents that don't understand that they think now because a lot of kids are high school ready coming in as freshmen because they've played club. Yep. Right. And the parents are thinking, well, they should start in front of the senior. And they should get more minutes. And you have a roster of 17, 18, 19 boys or girls, right, in high school soccer. And you're, everybody thinks their kids should be better in, in terms of minutes played. Sure. And that's what a coach is dealing with. I flat out told some parents that I believe coaches now almost defer to the I'm going to play everybody as much, almost the club mentality. Yeah. I'm going to play everybody as much as I can, keep everybody happy, and come playoff time, I'm not playing everybody as much as I can, and I'm going to make a push for a conference, uh, a district, a regional, or a state championship. Would you agree with that? I I see that. Um, I don't do that. I mean, I will tell you, we play a lot of kids during the regular season, mainly to keep kids healthy. Uh, I'm willing to take losses uh, and play some of my second string kids in, in big games so that we're healthy come tournament wise. I, I don't let the parents dictate that. Um, but I have seen that where, you know, coaches will try to keep parents off their back by playing everybody. And um, I, honestly, like to me, that's doing a disservice to the kid too, because then when the kid does get in a situation where they're not the best, they don't know how to deal with it, they can't fight through the adversity. Um, I, I'll tell you a great story. I, a kid named Miguel who, by the way, graduated uh, from University of Michigan Medical School. So I I cut Miguel his junior year. Parents from the Dominican didn't say a word to me. Uh, good player, but just we were loaded. It was just 2006 when we had you know arguably the best team in, in the Midwest. Um, I cut him, came back the next year, and I was so impressed that he came back as a senior and – I said, Miguel, you're probably not going to play much this year, bud. Like, I mean, you're a senior. Like, are you going to be able to handle it? He's like, Coach, I, I just want to be a part of it, right? Uh, I'm going to work my tail off. If I get some minutes, you know, great. Never heard from the parents, right? So we get in the state tournament. 
This is our first state championship, 2007. Um, and by the way, that team had Mark and Dominic Baroni, Lito Esquivel, uh, Nerman Cernkich, Jen and Cot- Like you're talking the best team arguably in the country. And Miguel at the high school level. At, at the, the high time. school level. And Miguel, who was a great player in his own right, was having a hard time getting on the field. Well, we get in the state tournament, and Miguel was just getting better and better. And through the adversity of having to battle every day and grind and fight for playing time, better and better and better. So we get in a big game, and some of my younger guys, the game was just too big for them. They were tight. And here's Miguel, who's been chomping at the bit, senior, who's been cut, who I know is fearless. And I throw him in, and he wasn't the most technical player, but he was the best competitor. Long and short of it, we win the state championship, and in that state final, I will, Mark and Don would probably argue with me, but I think he was the best player on the field in that game. And it, it, he would not have been that good. By the way, he went on to captain uh, Michigan State, Michigan State's club team in undergrad, and they won the national championship. Uh, and the club coach there at the time was like, this kid's unbelievable. And I said, yeah, because he's had to fight and grind and prove himself, right? His parents did not come and fight his battle for him. They said, you know, you got to keep training, keep working. And he became a very, very good player. And then I can name other kids who their parents would come to me and complain about playing time, and their kid got worse, to be honest with you, because, you know, their parents couldn't fight their battle all the way up. Um, so I'm telling you, parents, if you want your kid to be successful, let them fail. Put them in situations where they're not the best player. Put them in situations where they have to grind and fight and and battle to get off the bench. John Conlon, uh, one of the most respected high school soccer coaches in the state of Michigan, one of our soccer insiders joining us in studio on this MHSA Wednesday talking about parents, kids, teams, coaches, and refs. Uh, If you have a comment, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show. On Facebook, you can also opt in on the huge text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. Everything HUGE 24-7 at thehugeshow.net. BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks, unleashes the spirit of Las Vegas with BetMGM Rewards. Hi, this is Matt Shepard. Every time you make a wager at BetMGM, you can earn BetMGM Rewards points that you can redeem for online bonus credits like free bets. It's never been easier to join the action on the new BetMGM app, featuring a fresh redesign with improved features and quicker navigation. If you're planning a trip to Las Vegas, you can also convert your BetMGM points into MGM Rewards points that you can use towards dining, shows, and hotel rooms at over 20 MGM resorts located on the Las Vegas Strip and nationwide. BetMGM Rewards is sports betting premier loyalty program, including exclusive offers, incredible experiences, and valuable perks when you wager with BetMGM. Sign up with BetMGM or log in today and take advantage of the BetMGM Rewards. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Have you experienced Grand Rapids lately? The city is vibrant, growing, and offers up so much when it comes to entertainment, including two fantastic concert destinations, Van Andel Arena and DeVos Performance Hall. Just Google Van Andel Arena and DeVos Performance Hall. You can get a list of the current shows with tickets on sale. Also, DeVos Place is the go-to show and convention destination on the west side of the state. And if you want to experience GR, go to experiencegr.com and plan your getaway to Grand Rapids and West Michigan. 
And speaking of West Michigan, I do want to salute the West Michigan Sports Commission for their journey on bringing Grand Rapids major sporting events and building a brand that's big not only on the west side of the state, in the state of Michigan, but across America. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle and digging for gold every Friday in October for your chance to score up to $5,500 in cash or premium play. Hourly winners from 7 to 11 p.m. each week. And on October 28th, all the prizes turn to cash. See what you'll dig up only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway, reimagine. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. Huge here for the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can stay up to date on the latest from Lansing 24-7 at MHSAA.com. At MHSAA on Twitter and MHSAA on Facebook. The latest news, press releases, and stories connected to every high school in the state of Michigan available for you 24-7 from the Michigan High School Athletic Association. Log on to MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. And if you're looking for archive boys and girls, High School Sports, MHSAA.TV. That's MHSAA.TV. 24-7, everything you need to know about high school sports in Michigan. Log on to MHSAA.com. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We are back wrapping up our number two on this Wednesday broadcast heard on 19 incredible radio stations for the one close to you. Go to the huge show.net. And I do want to give a shout out to all of our affiliates. 961 The Game in Grand Rapids is our flagship station. Uh, you can listen on 100.9 FM, Midland, Bay City, Saginaw to the huge show weekdays at three. Sports Extra 1330 in Flint, Genesee County, I 75 Corridor. Northern Michigan, we're on 107.3 and AM 920 WMPL. Houghton, Hancock, Calumet, Copper Country is God's country. Northern Michigan, 104.7 and AM 1340, the ticket. Charlevoix, Petoskey to the bridge. Cadillac to Traverse City, you can listen to the huge show weekdays at 3 on 93.7 FM. The ticket. AM 1280, Somerville's have a fabulous radio group. Alma, Mount Pleasant, huge show weekday afternoons at 3 and Alma, Mount Pleasant on AM 1280. The game, 730 AM in Lansing, carries a huge show on a tape-delayed basis weeknights at 6 p.m. 96.5 The Cave, I love that station and the people connected to it. Adrian in Southeast Michigan. They're a longtime affiliate carrying the huge show weekday afternoons at 3. WSJM and Benton Harbor St. Joe. That's a top shelf uh, radio group. Thank you for your longtime support uh, of the huge show. Did I leave anybody out? I said 96 won the game in Grand Rapids. Muskegon, Kalamazoo, you can hear 96 won the game. Oh, WHTC. 99.7 FM and AM 1450, Holland, Michigan's West Coast. I don't want to forget WHTC. Superfly, did I miss anybody else? Oh, the roar in Detroit. I'm not going to forget the roar in Detroit. How do I forget we're on in Detroit? 
You said you got everybody. The Roar. 99.1 FM, 93.5 FM, and HD Channel 2 on 94.7 FM. The Roar in the Motor City. Oh, yeah. Did you forget you're on in Detroit? No, I'm on top of my game right now. I always leave somebody out. Every time I do that read, I'll hear from an affiliate. You didn't mention us. I think I covered everybody. I said 96-1, right? Downtown Grand Rapids, the game, our flagship station. Good job, Superfly. We got some really good chemistry on this Wednesday broadcast. As I always tell everybody, if you miss any interview, any hour, any full show, our podcasts are free. And we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts. And if you want to listen live online, thehugeshow.net, weekdays at 3. And on the iHeart app, search The Huge Show. And you can listen live anywhere in America, weekdays 3 until 6. Time to check in on what's on tap at your local brand, Steakhouse and Grill, your home for all Michigan, Michigan State, ND, Lions, Big Ten, and NFL football games on all the TVs and all brands' locations. Now, there's the brands in Bay City. For our listeners on 100.9 FM, you'll find the brands in Caledonia just south of Grand Rapids, the brands in Cascade east of GR, the brands in Holland off of US 31 on James. For those listening on WHTC, there's also Johnny Brands in Granville west of GR and Johnny Brands on Leonard off of 131 in downtown Grand Rapids. So when the Wolverines and the Spartans and the Lions are playing, it's on all the TVs at all brands locations. For the one close to you, go to brands.com. Or you can order up your brand's favorites and have them delivered to your house or pick them up uh, for your watch party at your home. Uh, Order online. Go to brands.com. That's brands.com. And remember, lunch, dinner, and happy hours two times a day. At all brands, steakhouse and grills. Big, bad, huge. The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Wednesdays on the Huge Radio Network are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. You can follow everything about high school sports 24-7 at MHSAA.com, at MHSAA on Twitter, and MHSAA on Facebook. Wednesdays on the Huge Show are presented by the Michigan High School Athletic Association. What's up, Michigan? It is our number three on a Wednesday statewide broadcast on the only syndicated afternoon sports uh, radio show uh, across our state lines. For the station close to you, go to thehugeshow.net, 19 radio station strong. Uh, if you have a comment, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, opt in on the Huge text chain, text the word HUGE to 21,000. Inside this hour, more conversation with John Conlon. Uh, we're bringing you a coach's perspective, sports dad perspective, uh, a guy who is a passionate sports fan across the board. 
uh, talking about club and high schools and how many kids are uh, doing club and chasing that college dream. Uh, it's been interesting conversation. Always good to have John in studio. So for a parent who's doing club, and, and I was your kids play club and have, and my kids did previously. My original intent why I put them in club soccer wasn't college scholarships, was to become a better player, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then along the way, you watch some of your children flourish in that particular sport. And then you watch your other kids who, as a parent, you could step back and be realistic, like, okay, they're a mid-level. Sure. And, and then here comes the academy teams, the U.S. soccer teams. Uh, one of my children don't make an academy team and decides to go play tackle football. But the training of soccer from 5 to 10 and a half, 11 really helped my son ace when it comes to him playing tackle football today. Uh, my son, Legend, uh, was elite scorer, would play with your son at times. Uh, you'd bring him in for futsal. He's a little guy, but, you know, as George Money, one of the coaches uh, over at MFA said, he's like little messy. And uh, he decided right when the pandemic was going down, didn't touch a ball, left club soccer, 19 months, didn't play. Uh, returned in early summer and tried out for Scott Green's Forest Hills Eastern JV team. And through his hard work, he's been up on varsity, back down on JV, and going back up. So I saw the break and the positives it had. My daughter Ava, a great talent, has been a four-year high school starter. I can see her enjoy playing high school more at the end with club, but club then was hitting that age group where I think it really shifts as a sports dad. 13, 14. When your son or daughter is knocking on that high school door and there are other things like social life, boyfriends, girlfriends, hanging out with the friends, not soccer seven days a week, not, you know, year-round, and they start to have choices that they want, not that what the parents want. You know, when they're nine, you load them up in the van, and let's go to South Bend, or let's go to Detroit, let's play in the Motor City Cup, and this is awesome. We're at a nice hotel with pool, pizza, you're hanging out with your friends and all falling asleep, and all the parents are having a cold one talking about uh, how great the games were. But 13-14, the travel becomes a little bit different for a lot of the kids, the parents. And, and then when the kid decides that they want to step back, that, that's a tough conversation. Because as a parent, you're saying, I invested in you for eight years and we went to, you know, Greensboro and Dallas and Miami and Super Y and all this. And you're, it's a tough moment for you to step back and understand this is about what your kid wants. Very true. As a sports dad. Very true. Okay? So, and I've done that with Ava. I've done that with Legend. You know, I, I, I've, I've watched Ace when he said, I don't want to play soccer anymore, and I'm like, okay, I'll support you and tackle football. But I also know how good soccer was for Ace because he was a kid who was clumsy, uncoordinated, five years old, and we were laughing the other day about the first time he played that little mini outdoor soccer. It's August, it's 85 degrees, and I show up after work and – Legend's already running like with six-year-olds, and Ace is going, and the 
the flow's going back and forth, and Ace is just standing in the middle. And I go, Ace, uh, go after the ball, buddy. And he looks at me, and he goes, and he's sweating profusely, <laughs> and he's like, soccer makes my legs tired. <laughs> and, but you know what he did is that, and I still give, this is where soccer is in my heart. I watched Ace at five, not quit, was clumsy, and found a way, and he's on a D team. Yep. Now when he first gets to enter at seven, right, on a D team. Ace works his way up to a C team, then a B team, and he flourished. I remember. And he was becoming a good player. And not a great player, but a good teammate. The, the, the parents, the teammates, still some that play with legend at Forest Hills Eastern, others that you'll see, all remember how good of a teammate Ace was. And I look at him and his film for football, everybody who's played the game will say, look at his footwork, right? And it's because of soccer. But also what, what soccer did when Ace scored his first game, uh, I think it was against Canton Celtics. Is that the club? Yep. Okay. They're killing us in the Midwest United Cup out at Brewer Park near Neck of the Woods. It's 10 nothing, <laughs> right? This is Ace's first tournament game, which was close to maybe the way the Spring Cup worked. That you might not have played any regular season games yet. It might be your start of the season, right? 10 nothing, and... All of a sudden, there's a shot by one of our guys, and Ace gets a rebound and gets his first goal. <laughs> and, the, and the look on his face, John, when he turned and ran, I had waterworks. I took a photo, and there's a shade of a tree, and I've used this photo a lot just to talk about soccer. Uh, for all what club gets in terms of positive and gets hammered and the money yeah. grab, I knew uh, what it did for Ace, and I watch him flourishing now in football as a person, and I know the value uh, of what that club soccer did for him. And and the disappointment when he didn't make the A-team, but Ace, man enough at 11 to say, you know what, I'd rather move on and play uh, tackle football. And it was such a powerful run by Ace. And I've, I've been on both sides where Ava's an elite youth player. Legend is like, God, once he gets bigger, he's going to, you know, dominate. And I watch Ace fight and claw for playing time to move up the ladder with teams. To watch the lessons he learned that you alluded to earlier pan off for him in football right now. Yeah, and he's killing it. Right, because he has to work for it. And he did work for it. And it's a, it's the good side of sports. As much as we want to go after hammering of the toxic environment, there are great stories out there. No question. And don't get me wrong. Like I'm part of the club soccer world. I, I there are some people in our world that do it exactly the right way and care very deeply about kids and care very deeply about the families. Uh, there's both. Um, you know, I. I always get asked the question, like, because I'm, I'm by no means a great soccer parent. Um, you know, I'm learning like anyone else. I, I, I've seen terrible ones, so I, I know I'm not terrible. 
Um, how, how do you think you are as a sports dad? Because here you are, John, yeah. a a highly respected high school club soccer coach, played college soccer. Soccer's been in your blood. How are Because I've seen you around your kids, mm-hmm. and and I, I love your kids because your kids have different personalities, and that's the best thing. <laughs> and, and, and we always say, like, you know, living on the edge. But, you know, and I do believe your older son – uh, has a shot at really being a pro soccer player one day. Who knows? Yeah, but you never know. But I, I love his attitude. Yeah. I mean, uh, how are you as a sports dad? Take away John Conlon, the coach. Yep. High school, because uh, your son played for uh, East Kenwood last year, right? Yeah, he did. Yep. Uh, and so, and now he's moved on to high level MLS next, right? Which so, is a battle for us right now. I mean, like, he, he loves East Kentwood and he loves playing. He misses ice. not playing, right? He does. I, and, um, for him, I mean, it, the recruiting avenue with club right now, the doors are going to be opened his sophomore year and junior year with the MLS next. But there, it's I'm torn. You know, I, I am definitely torn as a high school coach. I'm torn as a father. Um, what I've tried to do over the years is study uh, parents. I think get it right. Uh, I don't. I, you know, I'm a seven out of ten. I'm not a ten out of ten. As well, where, where's your weakness as a sports dad? You think? Um, I'm not talking about father or personal life. I'm yeah, talking I think, as a sports dad when you're watching your kids or talking to your kids in the car or yeah. after the sports weekend. I mean, I'll tell you, part of what made me successful as an athlete is I'm probably as competitive a human being as you've ever you'll ever meet. Like my family always joked that I had OCD, obsessive competitive disorder, and that's probably true. I have that too. That's why we've connected, John. <laughs> exactly. What I've learned to do over the years is manage that and focus on the process and not focus on the results, right? Um, you know, I grew up with Derek Jeter, and Derek's a year older than me, played basketball with me. Uh, Derek's dad was a great athlete, and his dad was super humble. Super humble. and Still is. And Derek, you know, Derek had a little cockiness to him. I don't think people realize that, but he was, for the most part, hardworking and humble. Um, you know, I coached Jenin Cottage. Jenin was Mr. Soccer in Michigan. And his dad, like, honestly, his dad would only talk to him about how hard he worked after games. He wouldn't talk to him about his goals. And Jenin scored 45 goals as a senior. Um, Is that a state record? Uh, no, but for D- Division One, it's the highest ever. Yeah. But, What's the state uh, record for high school goals in Michigan? It's like, well, Some actually, no, I'm crazy sorry. lower division number? No, actually, SUNY Saad does have the record for D1. I think it's 60. Mm. Um, but Jenin, you know, I'll tell you, if Jenin had played for another coach, he would have scored 60. I-, I pulled him out after three goals every time. And it drove him nuts. But, you know, we're not going to humiliate people, and that's just not the way we do it. Um, I, you know, I've been around Mark Stacy, which people in West Michigan would know. Mark, his son uh, Jake Stacy was Mr. Soccer, played at Michigan. His son Jeremy played at Vanderbilt. His other son was a very good player too. Mark um, was a longtime stud athlete in this area, and I, I studied Mark as a as a dad. And and Mark pushed his kids, but he also knew when to step back. What is that point when you know you have to step back as um, a sports dad? When it becomes about you. <laughs> When it becomes, I mean, very. Simple. And what is that? What's a, a situation that you would, you know, because we're doing radio, not TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what's a situation you would recommend to a parent listening, mom or dad, that's the step back time? Uh, if you're influencing the direction they're going 100%, that's a step back time. Uh, what do you mean by that? I, what I mean by that is when they hit 14, 15, 16, if you're the one who's 
setting up everything for them, that's driving them to all the trainings and, and setting up these extra trainings and holding them accountable without allowing them ownership, it, you need to step back because they're going to burn out. Uh, I I did not train. This, this is interesting to a lot of people. I coached Brody when he was younger, but I did not train him individually until he asked me. And when he asked me, he was 13 years old, 14 years old during COVID. And I, I was not going to push it on him. I did not want to be Earl Woods. And I think, it, you know, it, we have a generation now of parents that are trying to be like Earl Woods. And, you know, listen, but it worked for Earl Woods. Yeah, did it? I mean, Tiger's my favorite golfer of all time. He, he loves his dad. But Tiger's had a lot of emotional issues because of that. And I will connected t- the family. Right. Um, so, yeah, Tiger's my favorite golfer. And, yeah, he's probably the best golfer of all time. But I think he had to sacrifice in other ways. I'd rather you be Del Curry. You know, Del Curry, NBA Hall of Famer. And he literally, literally did not do anything with Steph until Steph was like 12 and was begging him to train him. He brought Steph to games, and Steph was on the sideline of his NBA games, but he wasn't training Steph. He he wanted Steph to have that passion on his own. And so I'd rather you be Del Curry and lead and when when the time is right start training your kid then be that crazy dad who's got their kid you know swinging a golf club at a year and a half and you know non-stop demanding they play every single second like listen you do have to do some different if you want to be special you do have to put in more time than other people but if you're burning your kid out and you're pushing them too hard you'll know you'll feel it and if you don't well then <laughs> your kid will let you know and and I went through that with Legend. When he wanted to step away, I'm like, you committed to a team. Yeah. You committed to this team. You've got to see this through. And he kept fighting it. I'm like, we you know, we have a rule. You commit to a team, you see it through the season, you want to quit after that, if it's a year, if it's three weeks, if it's six months. And as a father, uh, with the pandemic, with Legend becoming a teenager, there was it's a tumultuous time. And I think the one thing I've tried to learn, and I've learned through five kids, trial and error, that I've got to put myself in their shoes. I have to think like they're thinking. Why are they doing this? For sure. And I'm talking connected to sports and maybe even other things in life, right? And to watch Legend shut it down for 19 months and see the passion back that he missed and wanted that's when I don't have to say a word anymore because I know he's fueled by, hey, man, I want to go kick the soccer ball. I want, Or Ace is like, hey, I want to sign up and I want to work out. I'm lifting. You know, it's game day. And you're lifting in the morning. What are you doing? He goes, I can't take a day off. And I'm like, I, I say this about the high school experience at 13, 14, Johnny. The kid has to want it. Yep. For them to succeed. Let me tell you something about that. Um, there was a shirt that they wore back in the day that said, when you're not working, somebody else is, and they're going to beat you when you play. I don't, something along those lines, right? And that was my dad's philosophy. Like He, he would say to me, um, you know, hey, listen, it's up to you. If you want to be great, you got to go out and work on your own. I'm not going to force you to do it. I'm not going to bring you out there and have you do it every second. You got to do it on your own. And... It was great advice. I mean, I I was smart enough to listen to it, and I found that passion at 14, 15, 16, and I'm hoping my kids have that same thing. 
Um, yeah, have there been moments where I've probably pushed too hard? Yes, and then I realize it and I take a step back. We're you know we're we're human beings. We well, may- what do you think you've pushed too much as a sports dad, John? That you because you know really being a, a parent is a, a daily life lesson. Sure, right? <laughs> where it, it really is. Yeah, on all levels, beyond sports life, everything. Well, not regrets, but where would you? Uh, you don't have to mention specific child, but where would you say, you know what, man, I could have done this differently? I mean, there were some times where I think I was hard on Brody and Caleb. Uh, you know, personality plays a lot into sports, right? Some kids are really sensitive. Some kids, you know, have s- steel in their spine. And there was probably some times where I, you know, I. by the way, I rarely ever talk about goals and assists with my kids. I always talk about how hard they worked, right? Um, that's a Carol Dweck. That's a, you know, growth mindset. And, but there were times where I got on my kids cause they didn't work hard enough. And I think maybe it was counterproductive, right? Like, or I probably the biggest mistake, and this is a, a definite mistake parents make is to have that discussion directly after a game or have it after an emotion. Cause we're all emotional, right? Like, you know, it's a, it's a passionate game. Your kid maybe misses a big chance to score at the end and you have the discussion with them afterward that's the last time they want to talk about it and i've made that mistake um but i've gotten better and i think you know every year i i just continue to study the parents who do it the right way and and honestly i i want to educate people Uh, you know i've been around this game and i've been around sports my whole life 40 some years right and um, Are you leaving off a few years on that number? We'll, we'll go with 40. <laughs> <laughs> Easy now. Uh, um, but I want to educate people because, you know, don't ruin it for your kids. This is, listen, your kids are going to be college graduates before you know it. And if you're pushing them super hard and they hate sports by the time they're 16, 17 years old, you know, what was the point in the first place? Um, and I, I, the other thing I, I want to do for the rest of my career is honestly – Make an example of those people that are ruining for kids. I think they should be made an example of. Some of the parents I see on the sidelines and how they treat their own kids and other people's kids, like they should not be a part of youth sports. Get rid of them. Kick them out. Not You can't be a part of this league anymore. Goodbye. We don't need you. I've seen at the high school level kids who will complain about being taken out of a game to a coach. <laughs> not I, in my program. Well, no, but I, I – and again, I'm, I, I'm just like at some point do you – you know when when do you draw the line? I I I won't name the coach, but there's a coach I know who announced to the parents there's no 24 hour rule. Matter of fact, uh, there is never a discussion about playing time with me at all. Mm-hmm. Nothing. You want to talk about your kid if they're being treated wrong, or you think that uh, there is never a discussion on playing time? This is a high school coach with me at all. John Shilato, who I don't know if he legendary was, high school Zeeland West, right? Yep. So John got hired in 2000 at East Kentwood. Same year I got hired. Won a state t- championship, just dominated. Lost, lost in the final. They lost to Brother Rice. Uh, was it Catholic or, or, or Central? Catholic Central. Yeah. Catholic Central. But anyways, listen. I got hired. I was 24, 23 years old, green as can be, and my dad said, "You better go study some of the coaches that know what they're doing." So I sat in on John's meeting. John didn't know me. I'm sitting in the back of the room with the parents and football meeting. First thing he said is, listen, I'm going to make mistakes as a coach, but my mistakes are based on what I see every single day. They're not emotional mistakes that you make as a parent because it's your kid. So 
don't ever question me about playing time. If I make a mistake, it's an educated mistake. Yours is an emotional mistake. And he was right. I mean, it's, you know, as a coach, you do sometimes make bad decisions. But, you know, most of the time you're doing it based on what you've seen every single day or what you've coached every single day. Whereas, I'll tell you this, I just sat in on an evaluation of Brody the other day with his coach, Luke Ruff, who's a great coach, Coach Aquinas. And I think Luke would kind of expect me to kind of give my feedback, but I can't evaluate my own kid. I can't. I don't care how many kids I've evaluated in my lifetime. He's my son, right? Like, I can't give a fair evaluation of my son, so I don't. I just ask, Luke, what do you see? You know, uh, Lewis, what do you see? What do you... Cause Honestly, anything I say is going to be is going to be skewed because he's my kid. And I think parents have to realize that I'm telling you after 40 some years of playing sports that I can't evaluate my own son because I can't. There is not a parent on this planet that can fairly evaluate their own kid. That won't be biased towards their children. hundred percent. There is not. And I, I think I I'll say this through learning, John. I, I'm honest. I, I really believe that. Through learning as a dad, good and bad, right? I think I'm pretty locked in on where my kids are at, where their potential is. And not that I go to my kids like, hey, you know, a good job, but this is it. End of the road for you. I, I, I don't do that, but I, the high school experience after eight years of the club, I think it's easy to see in my mind as a parent. What players belong on the field when you're trying to win a for sure. big game and what players don't. I think it's easy for me to see. It's the parents who are blinded by the love of their children or that, well, my kid played club for eight years and he <laughs> he's uh, ECNL and there's no way he or she shouldn't be in every minute. Well, let me tell you a, a sad fact that I've noticed. So Doc Rivers has this... Uh, thing online where he gets asked a question about his son um, and whether or not he would go talk to a coach for his son. He said, I'll never talk to a coach. Like, my son's got to fight through it, right? And what Doc said was, I think every coach wants to win. So if they're making decisions, it's probably based on what they think is going to be best. I felt like that forever, but I will tell you, because of the culture now, with coaches getting fired easily, with you know, NIL with all like, I'm not always sold coaches are there to win. They're there to survive sometimes. And I will tell you this. I don't care. I'm there to win. I, I, you don't like it too bad. Go play for someone else. I do not care. And that's the only way I know how to coach, but I will tell you some of my friends are in different situations and they feel the pressure. And so then, you know, they give in and they play kids that probably shouldn't be playing as much. Um, you know, if you look at the starting lineup on any high school soccer team, I can almost guarantee you that those 11 kids probably did way more training wise and on their own than the, the the 10 kids on the bench. And any parent who doesn't realize that, well, you haven't been around sports very long. The one thing I've seen is a lot of parents uh, with freshmen, sophomores think their kids should be started in front of the seniors. <laughs> right? Have you seen that a lot? I have seen that. Right. And, and it's because their kid was a stud. Uh, playing up a year in club soccer, you know, basketball. I mean, I I know Granville made the mistake when they didn't bring up Devin Booker. Yeah, that's a big mistake. Yeah. <laughs> that's one of those. That that's one, one of those. That one when, maybe you make a When change. you're Melvin Booker, you know your kid's pretty good. And uh, we can look at Devin Booker and just check out the NBA Phoenix but Suns to your, stats. To your point, 
You're talking about arguably a top five guy in the NBA, right? Like, I mean, Booker is now, yeah, and he was well, but it, but what it, what happened here? And I've heard the story when you know, again, you're Granville and whoever the coach was at the time, and you're like, well, you got to earn your way. You know, there could be a little old school. Melvin Booker, Devin left Grand Rapids. Yep. Moved to Kentucky, some, right? Uh, moved Kentucky, Mississippi, something yeah. like that. I think went, ended up at Kentucky. I think his dad was living in Mississippi at the yeah. time. And he woke up every morning with his dad and trained yep. every morning. Hey, folks, uh, we've only produced one Devin Booker in Grand Rapids, so your kid's probably not Devin Booker. And so, we, Lloyd Vaught, and we've had some other. Yeah. But realistically, that's a rare situation. Drew Neitzel, right? Yeah. Drew Neitzel. But even Drew is great. And Drew's amazing. And right? he got to D League and played a little Europe. We're not talking top five in the NBA. Like, it's a rare situation. It's a rare, rare situation that a 14 year old kid, and Drew did it as a freshman at Wyoming Park, but it's a rare situation that a 14 or 15 year old kid is going to be that much more mature than an 18-year-old senior. It's rare. And I'll tell you... Physically I, and emotionally. Yes. Right? Now, now, listen, Giuseppe Broni, who played for me, who we're talking maybe the best talent ever to come out of West Michigan, he started on my 2012 state championship team as a freshman. Brilliant player, finalist national player of the year at Michigan State. But even as a freshman, there was a learning curve for Jew. Like He was competing against 18-year-old men. I made him earn it. I didn't start him the first game. I didn't start Brody Conlon his first game. I don't care how good those guys are. They're not 18-year-old men. So they had to earn their spurs, right? And by the end of the season, there's no question Jew was arguably the best player on the field. But it took him a while. You know, he wasn't ready right away. He's playing against guys 100 pounds heavier than him. Um, yeah, yeah, the Bronies, uh, the passion there in East Kenwood and coaching your son, which is, I think, probably up there with the... Best experience you've ever had? I didn't even coach him, though. He did? My, I, he was on my team. I didn't coach him. That whole season last year, Giuseppe Brony was my assistant coach, and I said, I'm not saying a word to Brody. You coach him. You know? I mean, so he had a way better coach than me coaching him. <laughs> yeah, Giuseppe, you know, uh, Giuseppe had coach at East Kenwood. He is. Yeah, he's and he's playing it. his dad, uh, uh, Joey, in Grand Rapids Catholic Central Saturday, and I think the... Is it the uncle is going to be the head referee? <laughs> Joe Piccioni. I think it's My Piccioni. favorite referee uh, of all time. I think it's Saturday, right? Yeah, yeah it Saturday. Is. Coming it's up the, Saturday. And I'll, and I'll tell you, you know, I learned a lot from Joe. Is it the Baroni Cup? <laughs> well, great coaches, great players. Um, I learned a lot from Joe over the years with his own kids, too, right? Like, every kid's different. Uh, you demand excellence. I mean, here's a guy who's got four kids that played at Michigan State. Is there anyone else in the country that can say that? I don't think so. Um, and Joe was demanding, but he also knew when to back off too, right? Like it's 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 this fine line as a parent. I watch when Joe has ran into Ava through the high school circles. Uh, she goes and gives him a hug, and he was as tough on her mm-hmm. as any coach. And the grit and what they do, and how good of men Giuseppe Hunter. Mark and Dom are off the field. Oh heck yeah! You know Mark will call. Mark coached Brody. Mark will call Brody after he has a big game in club. It, like it, it's about caring about kids. And there's it's like Gizzo. Look at all the guys that come back and see Gizzo. We were talking about this before the show. He can be borderline Jack Nicholson shining crazy <laughs> during a game. Yes, he can. But how many of those guys are showing up uh, on uh, reunion weekend or when Draymond Green wants him? To attend his wedding with Curry and LeBron. Oh, and you know what? Tom Izzo will be the first one to help them out when they need something, too. I mean, years later in their life. Like, uh, 
it's not it, it's not complex. Like there's a difference between Bob Knight and Tom Izzo. Bob Knight was about Bob Knight. He's demanding. He's you know a jerk. Tom Izzo is demanding, but he cares about those kids, and he really knows that those kids are going to be more than basketball players. And so, like, yeah, I'd, I'd give anything to have my son play for Tom Izzo. John Conlon, uh, well-respected soccer coach, uh, back in the day at East Kentwood, currently uh, the Byron Center girls team joining us in studio. We're talking about the state of high school versus club sports and parents and coaches and a toxic environment for some and still a great experience uh, for others, if you have a comment or question, add Huge Show on Twitter, The Huge Show on Facebook, and also opt in on the Huge text chain. Text the word HUGE to 21000. And if you missed any of our conversation, just search The Huge Show where you download podcasts and you can catch up and listen on your schedule. From Grand Rapids to Detroit, this show is huge. It's time to go in the huddle. One, two, three, top flight! It's a new day to celebrate and be free. It's a new day full of action and excitement because it's a new day for winning only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. It's a new day. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com. The more things change, the more they stay the same. That's what can be said about offense in 2022 for the Michigan Wolverines. All the early season chatter was about the quarterback, but it's still all about the trenches and old faithful, the run game that matters most to the maize and blue. Michigan took number 10 Penn State to the woodshed on Saturday, beating the Nittany Lions 41-17 and absolutely mauling them on the line of scrimmage to a tune of 418 rushing yards with four touchdowns on the ground. Just shy of 42 minutes of possession and outgaining Penn State 563-268, to it was an absolute showcase for the now fourth-ranked Wolverines. Michigan running back Blake Corum now leads the nation in rushing touchdowns with 13 and is second in the country in rushing yards at 901. Up next for Michigan, they're going to hit their bye week before the big interstate matchup against the Michigan State Spartans on the 29th at the Big House. Auto Value is a large Midwest-based company committed to the values of honesty and integrity in everything we do. From Detroit to Madison, Chicago to Marquette, when you shop at your local Auto Value Auto Parts store, you'll be assured of quality, service, and a huge selection of name brand products. And all available in-store or online at MyAutoValueStore.com. And as a convenience, we offer same-day in-store pickup or convenient ship-to-home service. Now that's Auto Value, and thank you for shopping locally. Huge here for my good friends on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So the NBA regular season is upon us, and DraftKings has a huge offer for new customers who download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use promo code HUGE when they sign up. Those new customers can make any $5 NBA Moneyline bet and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Simple and easy. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code HUGE when you sign up. And then make any $5 bet this week and get $200 in free bets if your team wins. That's only on the DraftKings Sportsbook app, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. So use code HUGE when you sign up after downloading the DraftKings Sportsbook app. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call the Michigan Department of Health and Human Services Gambling Disorder Helpline at 1-800-270-7117. 21 and up in Michigan only. Bonus based as free bets. One boost per eligible game for the stepped-up same-game parlay boost that everybody 
can take part of. Opt-in required. Deposit parlay and wagering restrictions apply. Eligibility and terms at DraftKings.com slash basketball terms. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. We're back on the huge show across Michigan, originating from the Auto Value Bumper to Bumper Parts Store Studio. Superfly Hayes, the executive producer, John Conlon, head girls soccer coach at Byron Center High School on the west side of the state, had a great run at East Kentwood, one of the most well-respected uh, coaches on and off the pitch in the state of Michigan and across America. We've been talking about parents, coaches, refs, uh, club to high school sports. So here's the big question, John, and you would know it better than I would. For all the kids playing club sports, well, let's just go in West Michigan. What's the percentage of kids that are getting college scholarships? Oh, very low. I well, mean, what would you say? What would be your guesstimate? All the kids playing less than 1%. Right. I mean, I, and I'm talking any type of you know, sports money. Um, I tell all my high school kids that majority of your money is going to come from academic money. So uh, it's very low, especially if you're in a minor sport. Football, a little different. but All right, so nationally, uh, with all the kids who have played club soccer and all the different levels that there are, Academy to MLS Next and more and ECNL and all the leagues across the land, from the women's soccer perspective to the men's soccer national team, how has all this club soccer helped our national teams? I think our men's teams are getting significantly better. We're very young. Our, our, our current U.S. men's team is really young, but we have a lot of guys playing overseas in high-level leagues. I think this World Cup, we're going to be lucky to get out of our group if we do, uh, but we're really building towards four years from now. So you got to kind of take the losses uh, – very similar to what you know England did. Like England eight years ago, you know, put together a young team, and now I I think England's legitimately a favorite to win the World Cup. France did the same thing. Um, we don't have that depth of talent of of those countries, but I I really like where our national team is right now. On the women's side, that's a different beast because we've been so dominant for so long that I kind of feel the rest of the world is starting to catch up a little bit. Um, And it all comes down to the pro leagues. You know, our MLS league for men is getting better and better. There's better, better quality, better training environment, better coaches. And so that's filtering down into our youth system. We're on the women's side. We do have a good women's professional league but over in europe you have like the premiership you have fully funded women's academies that are paid for by the men's program so like manchester united for example has a women's program where all those female players you know everything's free for them right and so they're training in a high level environment we can't replicate that in the u.s because we don't have a women's pro league with that kind of money. So why doesn't the MLS do the WNBA thing and connect to the franchises and create a women's division for every MLS team? You would think with the advertisers, with the state of politics in America, that the MLS creating a women's division would be the smart move. Oh, I think so. But I think it's like a brother-sister thing, right? Like, I love my sister, but I got to get myself established first. 
before I start. Well, it's like WNBA. I don't see crowds I, occasionally maybe late in the playoffs. Yeah. Connecticut draws well. You don't see big panned crowd shots at WNBA games. Most will say they're surviving uh, based on uh, just a niche market right now. Yeah, it's a little different in soccer because I do think women's soccer has a big following internationally, has a big following in the U.S. Like, so why won't the MLS jump on that and create a women's division? They got to money, <laughs> right? They got to make sure they're stable financially right. first. They can't they can't worry about what's not theirs, right? Like that would be a great thing for them to do, but it they can't do it at the detriment of themselves. Before I let you go, Johnny, uh, what's your advice to a soccer or sports mom or dad, a club or high school coach, a club or high school ref? What would be the advice on how to make things better across the board? Um, yeah, those are all different questions. Uh, for coaching, it's you know learn from those that have been there. I mean, everything I've ever done, I've stolen from somebody way smarter than me. Uh, don't think you know it all. I, and, and parents, I'll tell you this: if, if if your kid plays for a coach who makes you believe they know everything, then you need to go to a different coach because the best coaches are continually learning. Uh, for parents, uh, yeah, provide opportunity for your kids, but make it fun, and you know, step back when you think you're too involved. Uh, for referees, yeah, I. Uh, Nothing will change with referees until parents change or start to change and until um, we gain perspective as a country. Unfortunately, I think referees are going to have to deal with this toxic environment for a while. It's just You know when they wake up when kids aren't are having limited games because true. there's no refs? And it's starting to happen. Right? It's starting to happen in high school sports. I hate to say it. Yeah, there's two refs now on JV because lack of numbers. Correct. It's sad. And and what's advice to you said coaches with parents, uh, with refs, uh, for the sports dads and sports moms out there? <laughs> for, I know I know you said fun, but what about for the ones who may know deep inside they cross the line, uh, they have done it, they are doing it. Uh, change your behavior, own right. it, own it. Right? If you're sitting alone at the game, no one wants to sit by you. You're that parent. Uh, if your kid is getting cut from teams and they're pretty good, they're probably cutting you, not your kid. And that happens, by the way. Hate to hate to, you know, burst people's bubble, but we have those discussions at the club level. Like, if a parent's a complete nightmare, we don't want to deal with that. So, parents, you know, step back and let it happen. You know, and if you make a mistake, own it. Like, you're a human being, right? We all make mistakes. Just own it. John, fantastic conversation. Uh, my best to you and your family. Thank All you. Right. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Yeah, when World Cup comes around, I'll get you and the Baronies Heck yeah. in studio. That would be good. John Conlon, he is the head women's slash girls soccer coach at Byron Center High School. He had a great run at East Kenwood. One of the most well-respected uh, names in soccer in the state of Michigan joining us in studio on this MHSAA Wednesday. If you missed any of our conversation... Uh, the podcasts are free, and we are everywhere. Apple, Google, Spotify, iHeart, Podbean, and more. Just search The Huge Show, and you can hear my entire conversation with John Conlon on your schedule. Again, search The Huge Show, where you download podcasts. Everything huge, 24-7 at thehugeshow.net.
Attention BetMGM customers. Have a friend who loves sports as much as you do? Well, here's a chance for both of you to earn $50 bonuses when you sign up through the BetMGM Refer a Friend program. Hey, this is Matt Shepard. Just sign in in your BetMGM account and click on the Refer a Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with with their bonus and the wager is settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Share the excitement and get a $50 bonus every time you refer a friend to BetMGM. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Michigan only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable site credit. Site credits expire in 30 days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-270-7117. Excludes Michigan disassociation. Persons. Celebrating Billy Joel, October 28th at DeVos Performance Hall in downtown GR. I'm in a New York state. Celebrate Billy Joel, America's Piano Man, 50 Years of Billy Joel, October 28th at DeVos Performance Hall in downtown GR. Tickets are on sale now at Ticketmaster.com. Imagine this, winning big at Soaring Eagle and digging for gold every Friday in October for your chance to score up to $5,500 in cash or premium play. Hourly winners from 7 to 11 p.m. each week. And on October 28th, all the prizes turn to cash. See what you'll dig up only at Soaring Eagle Casino and Resort. Your getaway, reimagined. Visit SoaringEagleCasino.com for complete rules and details. They say consistency is the key to success. They weren't wrong. So how about grabbing a beer that's consistently smooth, consistently refreshing, and consistently light? You might just find that the road to success can be pretty enjoyable. Michelob Ultra, the perfect balance of taste and refreshment and only 2.6 carbs and 95 calories. It's only worth it if you enjoy it. Enjoy responsibly. Anheuser-Busch Michelob Ultra Light Beer, St. Louis, Missouri. Huge here for Van Andel Institute Purple Community. Now, they're a grassroots fundraising network powered by the volunteers who support VAI's mission to improve health now and in the future. Learn more at purplecommunity.org. You're listening to The Huge Show on the Michigan Sports Network. Time to check in on what's on tap at your local brand, Steakhouse and Grill, your home for all Michigan, Michigan State, ND, Lions, Big Ten, and NFL football games on all the TVs and all brands' locations. Now, there's the brands in Bay City. For our listeners on 100.9 FM, you'll find the brands in Caledonia just south of Grand Rapids, the brands in Cascade east of GR, the brands in Holland off of US 31 on James. For those listening on WHTC, there's also Johnny Brands in Granville west of GR and Johnny Brands on Leonard off of 131 in downtown Grand Rapids. So when the Wolverines and the Spartans and the Lions are playing, it's on all the TVs. 
at all brands locations for the one close to you. Go to brands.com or you can order up your brand's favorites and have them delivered to your house or pick them up uh, for your watch party at your home. Uh, order online, go to brands.com. That's brands.com. And remember, lunch, dinner, and happy hours two times a day at Old Brands Steakhouse and Grills. Big. Bad. Huge.